Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Chuck Joyner. While technically the Vice President of Claims and Operations for the Insurance Alliance of Central Pennsylvania, you probably know him better as the illustrious host of the Mac Voices podcast. How's it going, Chuck? I'm good, Brett. Illustrious. Wow. Thank you. I, I, I went through multiple adjectives for you. Illustrious is the one I decided on. Okay, well, I, I don't think I've ever been called illustrious before, but thank you. I, I, I kind of like it. I feel kind of imperial now. I Okay, imperial is one that I discarded. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> it just it seemed too uh, hyperbolic. Illustrious yeah. fit perfectly. Anyway, uh, I guess first let's talk about the Mac Voices podcast, um, po- video podcast. It's both... You, you publish it as both video and as audio. Correct. Um, well, video with audio and yes. So it's I've been around for what, like 17 years now? Not quite that bad. No, um, Mac Voices itself as a show has been around since 2000. What is it? 2000. No, that's not right. 2001. No, 2005. When, when podcasting started, Mac Voices came uh, a couple months after that. But before that, I had been producing a, a different show um, that was distributed basically as an audio file for download or online listening. Podcasting came along, and, and I always look at podcasting as more the delivery method than sort of the, the end product. Um, so I was producing audio for the web since 2001. Wow. So you're an old hand at this. Well, I, I'm an experienced hand. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Among the most uh, the most experienced uh, podcasters I've had on this show, I would say uh, maybe yeah. No, there have been a couple that have have been doing it longer than I realized podcasting existed. So, anyhow, uh, Mac Voices is kind of it's an interview show at its heart, but then you have uh, offshoots like the Mac Jury series, and you just got back from the NAB show. Tell, tell me, like, what kind of stuff do you, wh- how would you classify Mac Voices? Uh, you, you did pretty good. Um, Mac Voices is, well, Mac Voices has become um, a technology podcast through an Apple lens. Because at, at one point, I might have characterized it as, you know, Apple Apple focused. Um, but now Apple products are so ubiquitous, so widespread and so far reaching that it only makes sense to look at pretty much anything and everything um, as, as a Mac user, as an, as an Apple Watch user, as an iPhone user, as an iPad user. So the current description is, you know, anything technology oriented, but with an Apple focus through an Apple lens uh, or through an Apple gateway, because that's where you're, that's where you're going, that's where you and I at least are going to go into the internet of things or into web publishing or video production. It's going to be through our Macs, not through something else. Um, It it started out uh, as, as my previous show had done um, as audio only. I started playing with video mainly because I felt like it was important. Well, Mac Voices was intended to let people hear from the people that were really doing the stuff, not just the pundits, not just the and, – and, and believe me, I've, there have been plenty of pundits and, and plenty of, um, of authors and everything else. But there's also something intriguing to me about hearing from the people that are actually writing the software, marketing the software, you know, doing everything. Um, and audio is great. 
but I also felt like I was missing something by not having people able to see the, the, the faces and see, you know, the the good natured laughter that inevitably goes on when when we get together, any any of us to get together um, and some of the, you know, some of the um, the expressions and some of the good natured jibes. And so that's why I felt very strongly about trying to take it to video. And I guess it was about 2013, 2014 when I, I, I went all video. I wouldn't produce anything that didn't have a video component. Wow. See, I, I have never had the desire with my podcast to do video. I think it, I think it, it changes things often in a better way. Like if I'm working with a new client and it's going to be like a remote, uh, relationship, I want a video, uh, chat first. It changes the way that I communicate with someone. But it also changes the way I communicate in general. Something to me, there's something really, uh, I guess, almost anonymous about uh, just audio that really helps me not not only free up my communication, but I find with a lot of my guests, they're very relieved to not be doing video. Have you run into that at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, for, for a while, there were a few guests who had and some of them had good objective reasons and some had good subjective reasons that they weren't comfortable with with video. And if I still were into those, you know, that's fine. I mean, if, if absolutely necessary, then I will put up if, if you were the, the subject, for instance. When you are speaking on the video podcast, I might just put up a still of you or I might put up, you know, an image of your selection might be your logo or your website or whatever, because um, the last thing I want to do is make anyone uncomfortable well, sure. that that that's that's not what it's about. That you makes know, for so, a horrible podcast. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And I've, I, I tell guests constantly, you know, look, we can edit things. I mean, I, I'm not Mike Wallace. This is not 60 Minutes. I'm not here to trap you or to con you into saying something that you don't want to say or shouldn't have said. So, you know, if we and, – and sometimes people have done that. And then they say, oops. And I say, OK, don't worry. Just tell me what you didn't want to say and it will never see the light of day. And, and it doesn't. And that – I mean, it all engenders a sense of trust, I think, um, between me and, and the guests, uh, because they they will tell me things off off mic that then lead to other projects or maybe subsequent interviews. Um, whereas if I if I if I published any of those things that shouldn't have been said, well, all the trust is gone. Yeah, I w I've actually been mulling over a post that I I kind of I've been meaning to write about it for a year now. Uh, but it's all about trust. And uh, I've watched, I've been blogging for long enough to know that the people with the most traffic are the ones that earn trust. Uh, new bloggers have a rougher time because people generally have no reason to put stock in what they say. And I've been doing, long, doing it long enough that I hear regularly that I cost people money because if I recommend something, people trust that they should get it. And that can be uh, expensive. And you see people like John Gruber who has, he's earned trust. Like no matter what else anyone would say about him, people trust him. He's, he has, to the best of my knowledge, never destroyed that trust. But I have seen some high profile bloggers, you know, take money for a review or or uh, do something slightly outside of what people consider ethical and destroy their careers. 
So it's not like, like you have trust between you and your guests and you have trust between you and your listeners. And I think that is the foundation we all have to build on. But you've done an amazing job of that. I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's this this never was supposed to, I had no idea how long this was going to go when I started. The The reason it started was because I, I nobody was doing the kind of interviews that I wanted to listen to. I didn't want the, the five, three, five, maybe seven minute, you know, a seven minute in-depth interview. Oh, my God. You know, that's, <laughs> that's just, you know, that that's not what I wanted. And so my my preference has always been a bit longer form. I know right now that's not currently quite as much in vogue. Um, but I think that to, to really cover subjects, to to talk to the people and get down to what you really want to hear from them about, it it takes time. And so, you know, quality versus quantity. I'd like to think I strike a pretty decent balance. Um, that's always been my goal is is high signal, low noise. If, if we go for 50 minutes, I would like for 45 of those minutes to be, you know, pretty, pretty solid. Um, that, you know, that's a pretty high percentage, but that's that's kind of my goal. If we go for 30, well, then, you know, 25 minutes, 20, 27 minutes. That's great. Um, I, I, I don't like the rat holes that, that some people seem to love to, to run down because I feel like they just take you off topic and, and waste, waste my time as an interviewer, waste, waste the guest's time and waste the listener's time. For the record, this show is literally a rat hole. Like, uh, <laughs> I think anyone who has listened to this show for the years it's been on listens to it expecting like even even hoping for the rat holes that people go down i'm 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 into it like this is i think specifically because my personality uh we'll, we'll say rabbit hole uh is all about the uh here's something interesting and just chase it like a squirrel um and, and that's that's well that's what you, this one is you I flip the model. That's well, different you flip, for everyone. Yeah, you flip the model on its head, and I and I like that. You know that because there's uh, there's obviously as as successful as you've been as a podcaster, there's obviously an audience for that kind of thing. And it doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong. It just means you know steak and shrimp that we are two different styles, and you know people have to find their their respective style, the, the style that suits them best. I yeah. See, when I started this, I had never really listened to a podcast, so. I just did what seemed right. Then more recently found out I'm doing it wrong, but it works. <laughs> so that makes it okay for me. Yep. <laughs> so, so you, you, you have a very prolific, uh, podcasting presence, but you also have a day job that somehow you've maintained a professional career. What is it exactly you do? Um, right now, uh, as, as you introduced me, I'm vice president of claims and operations for a group of independent insurance agents in central Pennsylvania. Um, this is my first time on the agency side up till this point. My career has always been working for insurance companies in within the claims discipline, um, which is where I'm, I'm not sure whether I – I discovered that I enjoyed talking to people first or I d developed that as part of, of claims. But when you're investigating claims of any kind, large or small, you're asking people to tell, their, tell you their story. Because, you know, whether it's an auto accident or the house burning down or, you know, whatever, that's part of the investigation is the story. And I found I like it. Um, I've, it, certainly, it certainly honed my skills from, for interviews. 
just because you know you you always are trying to get that curiosity. They call it in 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 the insurance industry a curiosity driven investigation um, that you don't just you know, say, okay, give me the facts and nothing but the facts. You, you ask questions. You ask those leading questions. You seldom ask yes or no questions. Um, and so that's that's sort of where it, it came together. Then I I got into management on uh, on uh, on the agency side and worked with some great people. Um, and again, really love it. But it's it's often the same thing. A lot of storytelling and a lot of story receiving, um, along with that inevitable technology bent that uh, you would expect me to bring to anything just because I can't help it. You know, it's just <laughs> there's, there's just no way to avoid it. So so your podcasting and your your professional career have tied in. Actually, it sounds like really closely uh, on management side. Do you still get to do interview or do you just hear the stories now? You hear the stories. I mean, the the other thing that I always enjoyed on on the carrier side was negotiations, and I still get to do that. I'm just doing it from a little different angle. Um, but it, you know, if, if if a client has a problem, you know, I'm one of the go betweens that will go to the insurance company and say, okay, this is what's going on. What's your position, and why? And try to understand it. Then try to take that understanding back to the client, and in the middle, end up working out some hopefully some kind of compromise or at worst, um, making one side or the other understand why they are right or wrong. That's that's the objective. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You you are a very interesting person to me. I, Thank okay, you. so uh, like the the uh, the insurance career makes sense to me with with the conversations I've had with you and and knowing you as much as I do. Um, I would I would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He works in insurance, um, but <laughs> the parts I know of you uh, outside of that kind of very, I would say, uh, kind of manicured um, persona, you you, are, you you have a lot of things in common with me that I wouldn't expect. Okay, so, <laughs> and that's and that's where it gets interesting to me is for so many years, and I'm not. This is not a gotcha podcast. We're not going to expose. There's. You're you're a wonderful person, and there's nothing weird about Chuck. For everyone listening, there's nothing weird. Um, oh, what's coming, my God? He, no, he he is what he appears to be. But at the same time, you're you're very quiet about things like politics and even musical tastes in general. Uh, not stirring up. You haven't you haven't focused your persona around these more um, subjective personal tastes. That takes restraint. I don't know about restraint, Brett. It's uh, so let's let's take the politics thing. Um, the politics thing is so emotionally charged. It is so difficult to, and I don't want to change anybody's mind. You know that that's that's not the point, and I don't think they're going to be able to change mine. You know, I I look at things based on my perspective and my level of of information. And, and I'm convinced that nobody that talks about politics is fully informed. You know, that you, you just can't be. I mean, because is every, anybody every, fully informed? Yeah, that that's it. And yet, 
everybody has these these opinions. There was just an interview yes, uh, yesterday as we record this. I'd love to tell you where I saw it, and I can't t- – I, I, if it comes to me, I'll remember. But they were interviewing the chairman of the RAND Corporation, and he was talking about the explosion of facts but the bigger explosion of opinions, and the two don't match. And so that inevitably means that you have opinions about things that you don't have information on. And when you start having those kind of discussions, it's just, again, it's just a waste of time. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, and I do too. It, it was one of the best examples uh, or, or, or statements or, or it made me understand better than anything I've heard before. I sort of knew it intrinsically, but I hadn't heard it verbalized quite that well. And that's why I, I shy away from political discussions. If you want to have them one-on-one, that's great. Well, but, sure. you know. Well, that's what I mean is, yeah. is you have opinions, but sure. you, you see, I don't always have that restraint. I, what you're saying makes perfect sense. And, and it, it's, I see it's to me, it's restraint, your ability to kind of think that logically and then just follow it. I don't think most people know you enjoy Metallica. Mm, they probably don't. Can we talk they, about that? Sure. Sure. What, what is your, what, what is your history in music? Um, I know well, that's I know. a really broad question. Yeah, well, I, I've I've never never learned to play an instrument, so but I've always had had an intense interest in music, and my interest in music has always been toward the heavier, harder, um, louder stuff. Um, no matter what you know, which which decade you want to pick out there, that's that's been my choice. Um, and so, yeah, of, of course, I like Metallica. There, there are a lot of things that I like. Um, I, I would say the melodic rock, uh, the melodic hard rock is probably more my taste. Um, although there's plenty of speed metal, plenty of plenty of death metal, plenty of, um, you know, the, the only thing I really don't care for is the, the, the guttural vocals and that kind of thing. That just, that to me doesn't. The black metal I, vocals. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I just, I, I found very few of the few of those that I, I judge to be talented. You know, and and hey, if if you're one of them, I'm you know I'm sorry, that's just my taste. Um, I'm sure there is some talent to it, to to growl that long, that loud, that low. Good for you. Um, in those bands, yeah. I will say, in those bands, it's not the vocals that make them for me. It's that those vocals are often accompanied by a drummer who can do 700 plus BPM on a double bass pedal. <laughs> Yeah, that's stuff. That, that's it. It's <laughs> like if I could cut the vocal track out and just go for the instrumentals, that would be good. I get it. Um, but yeah, you know, I've 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 got a lot of uh, concert notches under my belt um, for bands that would probably surprise a lot of people. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of a band I want to ask you about. It's requiring some googling. As soon as I find it, I'll be like, oh, duh, of course. It's a Norwegian folk metal band. Does this ring any bells? Yeah, slightly. Keep going. Um, Norwegian they, folk. It's a like seven-piece band. They have. Uh, I'm not going to load up iTunes because they're on. Oh, Corpaclani. No, don't know that one. Oh, I'll send you. Uh, it is. It's what you think of when you think of Vikings, except with electric guitars. Okay. That I think they actually refer to themselves as Viking metal. It, 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 I, I think you would enjoy it. It's very melodic. It has um, like 
bagpipes and accordions and fiddles in it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's heavy. <clears throat> yeah. No, he- heavy in an almost laughable way. Yeah, there, there's some interesting things that that come out of – I mean, right now, Europe definitely – Europe and Australia definitely, I think, have better hard rock, heavy metal. Oh, Icelandic metal scenes. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the U.S. – I mean, there's there, it's still going on here. But it certainly doesn't get the, uh, the the play or the publicity that it it should and it deserves. Well, the good stuff has gone back underground. It had its heyday. Um, where did you grow up? A uh, little town in uh, in South Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, was there a good uh, like was thrash metal a thing in your town? Uh, th- oh, no, I grew up long before thrash metal. No, you're not that no. old. Well, maybe. OK, so I just gave it away a little bit. No, but there were there were, you know, no, there was seriously there was no such thing as thrash at that point. Um, you know, but those those that was the era of of Zeppelin and Deep Purple and Black Sabbath. And, you know, those kind of things were, were some of the heaviest things coming up. Well, Judas, Judas Priest, early Motorhead um, were all part of my growing up. So how did you find your music? You know, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, I'm not even sh- I'm not even sure. I can tell you the first album I bought. I can tell you, you know, I can't tell you why I bought it though. But I I loved it and still love it. Um, and that's that was Deep Purple's Fireball. Nice. Actually, you know, I, I, Deep Purple has never been. Uh, I know there. I know the big ones, Smoke on the Water. Yeah, sure. You know, but I don't. Uh, I don't know much about Deep Purple. Should I uh, should I get back into it? You definitely should get back into it, top to bottom. Um, in the early days, Richie Blackmore as the guitarist was was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, they've they've gone through so many changes and so many ups and downs, um, and it's it's just it's always been an amazing band. Yeah, they like any band, they have stronger albums, they have weaker albums, um, but yeah, they're they're just a, a they're an interesting band because as for all the talk we're doing about the heavier stuff, um, you know, to have a keyboard in a band at that point um, always intrigued me that I that I was drawn to it so much. But John Lord was an amazing, amazing keyboard player. I uh, I was walking by a local used bookstore a month ago, and in the window there was like a coffee table book, the Encyclopedia of Heavy Metal. And I immediately bought it. It was like nine dollars uh, for a big, like hardcover book of heavy metal. And I was surprised. I mean, it's very complete and it's full of photos and a lot of fun history. Uh, I was surprised that a lot of bands like Blue Oyster Cult uh, were in there because I don't. I guess I grew up in I, thrash metal was a thing from the time I was like twelve years old. Uh, also saying like in the middle of a sentence was a thing growing up. Um, <laughs> so like to me, now I'm going to hear it every time I do it. To me, uh, Blue Oyster Cult was not heavy. Uh, but it, as I grew older, I learned to listen to things in context of their their time period. I never liked Zeppelin when I was a kid. But going back and actually understanding the context of Zeppelin Things started to make more. Things are way more amazing if you can look at them through the eyes of someone who was, you know, at the right age at the right time to hear that stuff. 
Well, it's, it, I guess it depends on on what your definition of heavy is or hard is. But you're right. At, at that time, that stuff was very, very heavy and very hard. And the, the BOC especially, you know, there were a lot of science fiction lyrics kind of things. Um, I mean, they were they were good friends with Michael Moorcock, Moorcock, the um, the science fiction author. A lot of their songs derived from from some of that. Um, there, there was so much interesting stuff going on around them. Almost as a, um, almost as an image thing, but the, the, you can't deny the music, and especially if you go go back and listen to um, Tyranny and Mutation, um, and you will be surprised at how heavy certain certain songs on that track on that album are. Well, to be fair, I have since totally been able to do that, and I listen to, um, let's say, the Animals. And I listen to even the Beatles, and I can hear hear that music in the context of its time. Whereas these days, the animals, even the Who, sound passe. If you listen to it with context, that stuff was kind of, it was pushing boundaries. There was some really heavy, hard stuff for its era. I, things get louder, though. Why do things... Is it a sign of the overall volume of society that our music has to keep getting more and more uh, wall of sound, saturation, louder, harder to have the same effect? I think so. I think so. I mean, that that particular genre of music or those genres of music are always pushing the boundaries. And so, you know, if... <laughs> If 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 Motorhead was heavy, well then, Metallica and uh, and Megadeth have got to get heavier and harder and faster and louder. That just you know it just makes sense. I at some point, I mean, what did you say uh, about some of the black metal? You know, the seven hundred beat, beats per minute. Um, you know, it's like okay, I don't know where we go from there, but you know, it, well, I don't know whether, whether see, we have to pull back heard, a little bit. Have you heard dubstep? Have you no. listened to? Um, there's a there's a wide range of dubstep, but the stuff that's really good is you can listen to it if you have any kind of technical appreciation of music and you can hear thrash. You can you can hear the early uh evolution of metal in it. Not so much in the sound, but in the way that it's taking the sounds we hear every day and amplifying them, chopping them up, breaking them into something that is disruptive but at the same time danceable, obviously uh, more headbangable than danceable. No one really dances to metal. Um, but yeah, see, this is the rabbit hole I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, it's fine. I don't, it's your show. So I'm happy to go down it with you. So not, not to date you um, or age you, I guess, but uh, we're, what mediums were available when you were growing up? Vinyl, cassette, Eight track, like what did you have available? Um, vinyl, cassette, no eight track. That was that was a little so you, before my time. So you did have cassettes. Did have cassettes. Were, what did you? Was there like a demo scene? No, um, but I was very much a part of uh, the the underground live tape trading thing. Oh, bootlegs. Yeah, yeah. 
because at that at that point, um, I've, I absolutely and I still do. Don't I shouldn't have said it quite that way. Um, I absolutely just believe that, you know, the live concert stage is the place for this kind of music. I mean, I think the studio recordings have gotten better because they've gotten more reflective of the artists live. But at the same time, there's just nothing like seeing your favorite band, you know, and live. And some of them, some of them deliver consistently. And frankly, some of them disappoint. They're better. They're better in the studio. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put anybody down or put anybody on a pedestal either. Um, but there are just some that I know I've, I've walked away from some and said, you know, wow, really love the album. Would never go back to see him. Would never pay, a, pay for a ticket because it just was not inspiring. Yeah. No, I see. And I don't consider that a mark for or against a band. I, to me, I can say, yeah, that's a studio band and that's a live band. That, that one's both. I, I, that's not denigrating to me. Mm, I, I, and I, yeah, and I didn't mean it to be. It's just no. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of agreeing with what you're saying there. I, some, some bands do masterful things in the studio that honestly, you couldn't do on stage. I, I, you remember the Smashing Pumpkins? Sure. Billy Corrigan in the studio, he would lay down fifty plus guitar tracks on top of each other to get the sounds that came out on his records. You're clearly not going to be doing that on stage. It's not technically possible. Um, so I'm not saying, and I never saw the Smashing Pumpkins live. I don't know what their live show was like, but, uh, artists like him and even, uh, the white stripes, they do things in the studio that you're not going to reproduce live. And I have a, I have a strong appreciation for that actually. Yeah. Even back to the beach boys, some of the stuff they did in the studio was actually pretty groundbreaking and not at the time reproducible on the live stage somebody had to do everything somebody had to do it first right. i mean everything somebody had to had to be the first one somebody had to be the first one to scream in a microphone um as far as i can as far as i can think like um blue cheer with summertime blues you know all that that feedback and that you know overdriven guitar i mean there somebody had to do it first and and it found an audience or even back back in the days of hendrix like breaking the tweeter on your amp to create distortion. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. And now it's yep. a mainstay. Now you don't play a guitar without a distortion pedal. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, that's it. I mean, you, there are plenty of stories around about, you know, who did things first and there are debates over who did things first and, and who did them best. But at the end of the day, you know, those to me are just academic and I don't care all that much. I'm more interested in in what the music evokes for me, you know, the, and, and I and I tend to be I tend to prefer something that steps on the gas pedal and puts it to the floor and then, you know, rushes out of control for the most part. So I have a question about that, too. Okay. Do you know why? Do you I have no do you, idea? Do you seek audio stimulus? Do you, um, in your daily life, when you're working, do you listen to music? A little difficult in an office. Sure, people you do know, it though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, when when the opportunity arises, when it's appropriate, sure, it's it's definitely better than silence. I very, very, very seldom have silence around me. Huh. Um, that's just not my thing. It's it's I've got to be consuming content of some kind, whether it's music, whether it's audio podcasts, whether it's increasingly uh, less TV, 
but you know something has to be going on because I've I want that that sensory input. Yeah. See, I, I between my various mental conditions, ADHD and bipolar and um, overall uh, anxiety, things like that, I, I I am constantly seeking stimulus. But when I'm working, as much as I love music, I. I rarely listen to any audio when I'm working and I will realize that I've gone like four hours in silence and it hasn't bothered me, but then I'll have this sudden compulsion to go play hard, loud, fast music. I can't drive without music. Although I have found that playing classical music while driving saves me gas. Okay. Way better have, mileage if I don't listen to speed metal while driving. Have have not tried that. Okay. I'm um, note to self, try this classical is, when this driving. This is the benefit of uh of the quantified life. My I, I take the stats from my automatic, compare it to my Spotify playlists, and I can see I get I drive slower if I listen to mellower music. And and I love a lot of mellow music. I I have a strong love for the hard and heavy. But I, if I had to if I had to narrow it down to like top three favorite artists, Leonard Cohen and Johnny Cash would easily be in there. I don't know offhand what I'd pick for third, but I it doesn't have to be metal for me to love it. But I do I do seek that out regularly. That's 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 interesting, and and I'm the same way. Um, my tastes have broadened a bit um, as I've gotten exposed to to different things. Um, Lorena McKenna, Zoe Keating. Um, oh shoot, I'm, I'm blanking now. But you know, there there are other things that I do enjoy that don't have to be you know that that constant driving thing. You know, I I don't know if you're familiar with the band. Uh, it, it's now they've been around forever. Um, called Hawkwind. Out of the UK. <laughs> well, that was the precursor to a Motorhead. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Lemmy was in was on when was in Hawkwind. Yeah, and Hawk, Hawkwind took a decidedly different turn than Lemmy did, or <laughs> yeah. vice versa. Um, I love their stuff. I love their stuff because it's not. It, I can I can put that on as you said, kind of in the background. It it's great background music. Um, it's got a lot of a lot of rhythms to it. Um, and you know, I've I've got a ridiculously large Hawkwind collection. Yeah, I'd actually be curious to hear what your favorites are. I've explored Hawk, Hawkwind only because of a love of Motorhead. Um, I haven't dug deep into it. It's listed as fantasy rock, isn't it? I've you know I've heard it fantasy rock, stoner rock, you know you you name it. I mean, I get so bored with the labels, Brett. I was you just know, thinking it, today, like the psychedelic rock. Yeah, like that term has been so broadly used and more recently the term psych rock which is a separate category so many different bands that i would not lump together all get kind of uh forced into genre titles and it does bore me a lot i you know i i guess i i've 
I listen to all the the genres and the subgenres and the sub subgenres, and I think, man, you guys are spending way too much time trying to analyze this stuff. Just sit back and listen and enjoy, and put it in your playlist and share it with your friends if your friends want to have it shared with them, and if not, then that's fine too. But um, that, that's one reason I, I enjoy talking about it. But you know, hair metal, I mean, the inevitable '80s '90s hair metal. You know, bands get ca- categorized that way, and that all those labels go with them forever and at the end of the day it's like if it's good music it's good music and if you like it you like it well i think hair metal was a way of to to warn people like it's metal but it's not well <laughs> you know okay, well glam you know i mean glam, I like uh, glam. the new york dolls proto punk yeah. you know the, the some of the the early punk stuff you know i mean it's i just i guess i consider it all rock i, I would suppose, put it, like I'm, the blurred line between glam and hair like i think hair metal just became like glam with more machismo to it does that seem fair <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's that's a that's a good explanation of it. It became uh, alternatively titled cock rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what? I have May so- I? There's there's one other thing I'd like to just touch on. And I'm curious to hear your feelings about. Are you it. changing topics? Because that's okay. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm sticking okay. with it. I'm Do sticking it. with it. Yes. But I, I loved, I loved what you said about listening to things through the, the, uh, how'd you say it, through the context. lens or the context of the time and all, and and sort of the same thing we're talking about here with labeling things, and you look at the politics of some bands, you look at the the fashions of some bands, you look at all that stuff, and and people get really bent out of shape over some of that and how it was, it, it's not politically correct now, and it's like, yeah, but. Look at when the music was made and look at when those artists were in their heyday or, for that matter, when they lived. You know, that was their world. And so to 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 denigrate them, to condemn them for their views and not being, quote unquote, enlightened, that too just makes me nuts because I feel like it's revisionist history of in some perverse fashion that 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 takes away from the music. And I would much rather see you appreciate the music for what it is, what it was, and what it does to you. And a lot of times that does take a history lesson. Sometimes it does. To understand, like if you look back at uh, early, uh, like uh, glam punk, uh, New York Dolls, The Dictators, Fear, like these bands used a lot of imagery and a lot of uh, statements that out of context look fascist they look uh sexist and in fact they were quite the opposite uh like uh especially in the case of the dictators who kind of made their whole thing around you know um imagery you taken from fascist governments if if you stumble upon them today you'd be offended you'd be horrified but if you look into what was going on at the time, what where they were performing and what they were going for, it changes everything about the music that you're hearing. And, so, and it's fun music. It is. It's fun. Go back a little farther to Steppenwolf. I mean, Steppenwolf was like one of the I think one of the ultimate, you know, war anti-war protest bands. Yet they, they put out some great music. Yeah, so, in my opinion, yeah. they they began they they were the beginning of metal. Well, 
Born to Be Wild, but I'm 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 almost excluding that. That was that was an amazing track. Will always be an amazing track. But there's so many other interesting set songs that they came out with, interesting tracks they came out with, that were were very much protest oriented. That were just still great, great, great tracks. You know, so I mean that that war that particular war is long gone, and you know hopefully there's there there are very few still fighting it, um, in in any sense, but you know the music lives on, and if you go back and and listen to it, you say, gee, I wonder where that came from, or I wonder why that was engendering such strong emotions. But it it, it was, and it did, and that was the music was the result. Do do you have a preference for political music or against political music? No, none. It's about the music, not about the lyrics, That's not about awesome. the artists. Awesome. All right. Um, I, I off off offline. I will send you uh, a few of my current favorite bands that I've discovered um, that you probably haven't heard of. I will say that the idea of categorizing, uh, putting sub 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 genre labels on bands the benefit of it has been that spotify can create me some amazing playlists with music i've never heard before but that all goes together and the automatic playlists generated by spotify these days are some of my favorite listening i am more than happy to jump in my car and hit daily playlist number two and you know it'll all be similar genre but it'll pull from across a wide spectrum of music that it knows I'll like because I've listened to enough related artists. I, it's amazing. I like categorization for that reason, pretty much exclusively. And that and hey, if it works for you, and and that's great. If it's if it helps you discover new music that you enjoy, fantastic. Right, because I'm old now, and finding new music is a lot harder than it used to be. <laughs> that and. Nobody, there's like no MTV equivalent these days. Uh, I suppose like some of the internet radio stations probably serve that purpose for today's youth. But man, I miss Headbangers Ball. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that Headbangers Ball messed up an awful lot of dates for me <laughs> because, because you know it's like okay, eleven thirty, man, got to be right in front of that that you know. I still remember the first, the, the very first time I saw a lot of a lot of bands' videos. You know, G- Guns and Roses jumps to mind right away. It's like, what is this? And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, we could talk about Guns and Roses for a long time. Yeah. Uh, good and bad, I assume. But at least for me, like I absolutely love Guns and Roses. There are so many things about, especially Axel. Well, I mean, I could do the same. If I picked apart Metallica, I could do the same thing to individual band members. But Guns N' Roses was a, a forerunner in really angry yet still melodic music. Agreed. Agreed. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> I'll stop that. I'll I'll I'll, I'll put a, a cap in that wormhole for right now. <laughs> I am going to take a break to talk about this week's sponsor. I would like to thank Smile and PDF Pen 9 for sponsoring this episode of Systematic. The new PDF Pen 9 is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs and going paperless, including over 100 enhancements to improve your PDF editing workflow. You can access annotations in their content in the sidebar and copy annotation content as text, 
find and highlight all instances of a word or phrase, remove OCR text layers, create links to other PDF files, export in grayscale and to JPEG, PNG, and 1-bit TIFF. You can use forms capable of doing calculations and much more. PDF Pen Pro 9 enhances table of contents editing and adds OCR for Chinese, Japanese, and Korean text. You can learn more about PDF Pen at smilesoftware.com systematic. And if you ever try to say slash systematic a few times fast, you'll understand why that always trips me up. But smilesoftware.com systematic. Go check it out. And thanks to Smile. So, Chuck, that brings us to the top three picks. Okay. This goes back and forth. Uh, we do one at a time, and you get to start with your first pick. Well, actually, the discussion, I had no idea the discussion was going to go in the direction it's gone. So um, my first pick is Pandora Prime. Okay, um, this will be fun. I've, I've had a great time exploring Pandora Prime. I've always loved Pandora um, because more than and, – and to this day, more than any of the other services, um, I find that Pandora throws me more music that I want to say, hey, I like that. Give, give that a thumbs up, you know, and or now with Pandora Prime, I can add it to my music. Um, so it, it just – I, I found I find constructing playlists a bit of a hassle. I still do it, and and I, I still have a couple key playlists, but I've gotten rid of a lot of them because some of the some of the uh, the intelligence that's been built into some of these music services has gotten so good. But I, Pandora is head and shoulders for me above everything else, and I think it's because interesting what you were talking about with Spotify that. Uh, the subgenres allow you to generate the interesting playlists. I think it's the Music Genome Project underbelly of Pandora Prime that 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 does it for me because it throws things to me that it's like really I thought I hated that band but I really love this track. So you yeah. know, I, I, and and you can get a free trial right now. So you know, it's it's a great time to go and check it out. I was gonna say like so the thing that ten years ago when I started using Pandora. It blew me away because it was the first thing to really tap into, at that point, the burgeoning music genome project. And they had developed algorithms that by giving a few thumbs up and thumbs down, they could start to really give you new music you had never heard, but they could tell you were going to like. And it was excellent for that. As, uh, as Spotify kind of became part of my life, and then later Apple Music... The, the algorithms, I guess, they, they got watered down. It began to be more about, like, uh, I guess, more academic correlations between music. And I kind of enjoyed, I think, the, the trade-off for me was that I could suddenly have a little more manual control uh, with, with Pandora. You can, can you build a Pandora playlist? Because yeah. when I stopped using it, it was you basically you had to listen to whatever song it wanted to play next. Right. With Pandora Prime, you can build your Pandora playlist. You can build it either by just letting Pandora throw things at you and then you tell it if you want it in a playlist or whether you want it in your quote unquote my music. Um, or you can just go search for things and say you want to search for um, uh, Metallica. 
um, enter Sandman. You can you can look, find the song, listen to it, and then put it into playlist or put it into the my music category that is kind of the conglomeration of um, of everything that that you like or that you've added to that category. So yeah, and that I mean that was that was their version of the on demand service, and it's a it's quite a different implementation. Uh, at least the way I use it from any of the others. But the more I use it, the more I like it. I I may have to go check it out. What does that cost? Oh shoot, I don't I don't even know, Brett, because I'm still on the free trial. <laughs> um, <laughs> is I, it I think a really I, long free trial. Yeah, it is. It's it's like six or eight weeks, I think. Um, but I believe it's going to come in competitive with Apple Music um, at like nine ninety nine a month, okay. something like that. It's not not horrendous by any means. I'm I'm currently subscribed to both. Apple Music and Spotify. Originally, I thought I was going to be switching from Spotify to Apple Music, but I just can't. I can't leave Spotify. Um, they have improved the the automatic playlist, the the way that they allow social playlists and collaborative playlists, and uh, the when you go to an artist radio station, I always find the selections better than Apple Music provides me. I, I can't I can't stop, but I will check out Pandora Prime. I think I also I have like uh, Amazon Amazon Music and Google Music that I never use. But have you ever seen um, Playlist Machinery for Spotify? No, it's a it's a third party site. They made all these tools that can do everything from uh, mine everyone else's playlists. With that based on like how how many similar songs they have to yours to find like other cool public playlists uh that can there's one that you can input a word and it will create a song within or it will cl- create a playlist within a genre where the first letter of every song spells out the word you want so you can, you can put secret messages in playlists that you share with other people <laughs> i mean like it gets that weird but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate the the fact that you can do it. I'm trying to figure out why you would want to. Oh, well, guess... okay. So there's there's a there's a tool on here called Boil the Frog, and it lets you you give it two songs. Uh, their example is you can move from Weezer to Lady Gaga, and it will create a playlist that slowly and seamlessly moves you from one genre to another, one artist to another, mm. and that that kind of algorithm that has a purpose for me. Like that's a great party playlist right there. Hmm, okay. I can, uh, that example I can absolutely see. And j- just the fact that Spotify provides an API uh, makes it more attractive to me than most other tools such as Apple music. I can't compare it to spot uh, Pandora. I haven't used Pandora for years, but you've inspired me to check it back out. Okay. Good. So my first pick, I have a couple of photo. I, I've been like, I've always enjoyed photography. Uh, I've been enjoying, especially lately, the more social aspects and uh, Apple's live photos. Cool, but not terribly useful outside of Apple's ecosystem. There is an app called Lively. Uh, this was recommended by Dean Prebitek. I think I'm saying that name right. He, he can yell at me later. Uh, he, he recommended it in the uh, systematic Slack room, and uh, I checked it out. Lively takes your live photos 
from your iOS camera and turns them into GIFs that you can share. Uh, for for the kids out there, I'm I'm talking about GIFs. Um, <laughs> GIF GIFs um, that you can export and and share on any social media and have them actually play your you know two to three seconds of video surrounding the image that you took. It's handy. It's free. I I have to say it's a it's a good app to have in your arsenal. Sounds like fun. I've I've not really found live photos to be compelling, I guess, because I'm still trying to shoot something a little more traditional. I need to shoot a little more action. Wait, wait um, a year. Go back in a year. year and look at the photos that you you shot and have forgotten the context and put two seconds of motion around it. And all of a sudden it brings back way more memories. Like I, I have found this hmm. to be true. It's not what I would have expected. I thought it was a gimmick at first. But just that slight bit of of motion to something and even some background sound, it it brings back uh all all my senses are then engaged in what was happening at the time in a way that just seeing the photo never would. Hmm, okay. I'll, That's I have, my I pitch have, for live photos. Well, and I hadn't thought about it exactly in in that fashion. I guess, but again, I think I need to need to think about maybe film. <laughs> yeah, not filming, um, but taking pictures with that kind of use or context in mind. Right. Hmm. Yeah. If I'm going idea. out to if I'm going out to take a beautiful picture, I turn live photos off. But if I'm shooting pictures at you know a niece's birthday party. I'm turning live photos on because it will add the context that I really want for the pictures. And hopefully that'll be more useful in the future where people without iPhones can, you know, dig into your photo. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's your second pick? Um, Second pick. Okay. So as you mentioned, um, I just came back from NAB. Um, which is the National Association of Broadcasters show, um, which I've been going to now, I guess, for four or five years. And the first year I went was sort of a sort of a whim. But what I what I most enjoy about the show is the learning that I get to do um, with the seminars, the classes. Um, in particular, there's there's a track called Post Production World um, that I've I've. I just love to attend. I love to sit through even classes I know that are way beyond me because um, I, I feel like I've, I learn a little bit from them. Um, but there are two guys that no matter what they're putting on, I want to go and see them. Um, and that's Steve Martin and Mark Spencer, uh, both of Ripple Training at rippletraining.com. And if you have uh, – I sound like I'm doing a pitch and I'm really not. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to learn anything about Final Cut, about motion, and about video production with the things that they cover, these guys are the ones you want to go to. There are plenty of other fine video trainers out there, but they make these programs so approachable that I, I, I just – I never get tired of, of – watching them do their magic. Um, and every, t- every time I go back, even if I go back to the same class two or three years in a row, I always pick up something new. My theory is that the first year I went, I probably wasn't ready for some of the things they were showing because I was still learning. You know, I, I was at level one and they were showing level one, two, and three. Well, first year I got level one, moved up to level two. The second year I moved up to level three. 
but it's it's great. It's all it's it's all video training. Um, there are a number of of ways. There's a YouTube channel they publish where they basically give away um, different tips and tricks. That is also phenomenal. That's where I would tell you to get started. See if you agree with me that that they are for you and their style is for you, um, and pick up some tips. But um, the the training. Compared to some of the things you see out there, it's very, very affordable and it is very practical. Um, you know, that's the other thing. We all love the G Wiz stuff. Uh, wow, how, how do they do that? And I want to be able to do that, you know, make that logo turn inside out, flip upside down, and then, you know, explode. And, and that's all fun, but that's not really all that you should be doing. And these are the guys that will, you know, that, yeah, they'll teach you how to how to do that to the logo, but they'll also show, also show you how to shoot, um, whether you are just getting started or whether you're trying to do it semi-professionally. It's, it's a great place, rippletraining.com. All right. Added. Steve Martin and Mark Spencer. I, I did a quick Google, and I, yeah, I assume Steve Martin, no relation. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. He said any, every session you go to says, OK, get the jokes out of the way first. Then let's move on. <laughs> Gee, I, 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 there was a guy who blogged with me at uh, the unofficial Apple weblog whose name was Robert Palmer. And I believe if you go to his Twitter profile right now, it still says um, not who you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> OK. So my second pick is another photo app called Memento, uh, not the diary app, which is also actually really cool, uh, especially if you like Slogger, check out the Memento diary app. But this is called Memento. Uh, it's, it has GIF in its name. I'm going to say Memento GIFs and everyone else is going to say Memento GIFs. And I'll, I will I'll concede that. That's fine. Um, what it does is scan your your photos library on your phone and find uh, correlated images uh, that are subsequent in the shot list. So it doesn't have to be a live photo. It can also be a burst photo or even three pictures in a row of the same thing. And it'll turn those into quick animated GIFs. And it will invariably, out of every, every like day that I go in there, at least two of the uh, creations it has for me are hilarious. Sometimes they are also very cool, but often just funny. Like uh, it, I'll have three pictures of my dog and in different head positions, and it will have combined it into uh, an animation that looks like the dog is dancing or nodding or whatever. And it, it's fun. I, I think it was even free. I'm going to go double check that. Maybe not. Open in iTunes. Let's see. Whatever it is, it's worth it. It's not expensive. This is the kind of thing I usually check before the show. I, I'm Brett. I didn't. I knew you were into photography. I didn't know you were into it quite this heavily, though. This is uh, this is a, a revelation for me. Oh yeah, I'm talking about silly apps right now. But there are. I have. I think the the photo folder on my phone, the photo yeah the photo folder on my phone's home screen is probably the most full folder on my phone. Hmm. I I have one folder for taking pictures and one folder for editing pictures, and I love both photography and 
iPhone apps. So it's a dangerous combination for me. Well, there's certainly plenty to choose from. No question about that. So if you can keep reporting on them, we would all appreciate it. I could do a whole blog on photo apps. <laughs> or I could just do a blog post on photo apps and everyone would be pretty done with it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Memento, what would your third pick be? Well, I'm going to go back to music. Um, I've, I had a couple picks, but uh, I think I'm going to go back to music since the discussion was so heavily onto that. Um, and one of the new albums that I'm really into right now is um, by a band called Rhino Bucket. Um, and I have succeeded in forgetting the name of the album. That's ridiculous. Um, You will please cut the silence out. You got yes. it. Okay, so back in. So the, the album is called The Last Real Rock and Roll. And it is, if you listen to Rhino Bucket, I think you're going to hear shades of ACDC. Um, it's not a terribly sophisticated um, kind of music, but it's just, it, it's got that constant rhythm, that constant beat, uh, the great guitar sounds, um, and and a, a vocalist, um, George, who who sounds remarkably like um, uh, ACDC, that you would you would definitely enjoy it. Um, the the uh, the first single off the album is called Hello Citizens, and it's just one of those that gets under your skin. You listen to it the first time, it's like yeah, that's pretty good, and then you find yourself you know with it bouncing around your brain. Um, so go go check it out. Uh, you can find them at rhinobucket.com. Um, the guitar, one guitarist, Brian Forsyth, plays with another band that is my absolute favorite band called Kicks, um, but he's in both bands. Um, two very distinctly different types of music, but absolutely a, a great album uh, for you to go and check out or check it out on your favorite, favorite streaming music service if they have it yet. And closer related to a band I loved in high school, Super Suckers. Uh, that album was produced by Eddie Spaghetti. Worth noting, I suppose. I haven't I'm heard impressed. this. I'm, I'm reading their website right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed that you pulled that right out of your head. That's good job. <laughs> Amazing. Encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, I have a list of, of things I need to check out after the show. Music is the easiest for me to check out. When people recommend books, it takes a certain commitment on my part to follow through on hearing a really great recommendation. Music, I'll, I'll, I'll be done listening to uh, Deep Purple's entire discography and get to Rhino Bucket before the end of the night. Ooh, good luck, my friend. Good luck. <laughs> that, was, that was partially a joke. I'll make good headway, though. <laughs> All right. So my last pick is actually... I'm not fully endorsing this yet. I'm finding it fascinating. I'm using it. I'm not positive I can put my full Good Housekeeping stamp of approval on it yet. It's called Pixie. And it's similar to the Tile, the Bluetooth locator system. Except for it uses a, a passive... It's a whole combination of... Uh, basically transmission technologies you ha you have w you have an iphone case that contains one pixie and it's about the size of a guitar pick if you multiplied that by maybe 1.5 so it's an inch and a half tall inch and two inches tall inch and a half wide 
uh, but flat. And it goes into the special case for your phone. And then if you buy a four-pack, you then have three additional Pixies. And you put them on items such as your keys or your wallet, anywhere you need to uh, locate something that you often lose. And as opposed to a tile, which will tell you it's within range and then it will make it beep. This will actually, uh, it has three stages. You hold up your phone and it will give you a augmented reality view of your surroundings with bubbles showing where your lost item is. And then as you get closer, it will stop. It'll turn into like um, a turn by turn direction thing. It'll say turn right, turn left. And then once you get within range, it turns into a metal detector and it will beep faster and faster all the way up to uh, one inch of where your lost item is, which makes it possible to figure out if you stuck it in a drawer. Uh, there have been a lot of times with my tiles, which I love. Tiles changed my life. Um, but there have been times where the item I'm looking for, I can't hear. I can't hear the, the beeping of it. And I'll know it's nearby, but it'll be muffled to a point where I can't find it. And this actually gives me far more accurate location capabilities. That said, I've run into a few um, appallingly bad situations where it sent me in entirely the wrong direction. I am trying to work out those bugs. Overall, though, the idea kind of amazes me. I've heard about this. I have not. I've not tried this. I will say though that I'm with you that the tiles uh, tiles are brilliant, and if you if you haven't gone down this road, um, do some research. Do some research on the Pixie. Let Brett tell you about it as he as he works his way through it. But any of these locator items are fantastic. They, I mean, think about how nice it is to be able to find your iPhone or your iPad. Well, think when about you, when you misplaced it and. Think about is, how annoyed how annoyed your partner or spouse gets every time you're like, "Hey, I lost it again." <laughs> what are you looking for? Oh, that thing I lose every day. Think about how much stress that can save in your relationship. I, you know, you must be reading my mind, Brett, because I I feel like I have recovered days of my life by giving this to uh, certain people I care about <laughs> because they are forever putting their keys down somewhere and it's like, like pull your phone out or your watch and hit the button and oh there they are yeah yep. so I, yep. I i have purchased i think a total of uh six tiles and only three of them are in use by me <laughs> right there with you <laughs> all right so uh that ends the top three picks uh let's talk about where you can be found uh macvoices.com will get you to chuck's podcast and all of its related uh, material and then you are chuck joiner on twitter and do you want to mention the face group facebook group sure um well i'm chuck joiner on facebook as well you're welcome to follow me there but i do have um uh, a mac voices page on facebook but i also have a mac voices group on facebook that we're trying to get off the ground um where you're welcome to come in and discuss um Pretty much anything that is Apple tech related or tech related with an Apple band, um, and that's you know that that's what it's there for uh, to to 
have a, you know, I don't want to say a safe spot, safe space. That's too way too poetically in charge. Um, but just a good a good place to go and you know talk with like minded people about things you care about on the tech scene. So check all of it out. And as Brett said, MacVoices.com. And Brett, if you don't mind, one other thing. Um, I do uh, curate a, a magazine on Flipboard, a Mac Voices magazine on Flipboard, where I go through um, Surf Daily and throw in there any interesting, useful tidbits of information. Um, what you will not find is you won't find Mac News. You won't find Mac Opinion. What you will find is how to do this, how to do that, how to do the other, um, how to do more with your Apple tech. So it, I think it's I think it's well worth checking out. I think we've got we're up we're, we're up over two thousand followers now. So it's it's a it's it's just it's it's sort of my personal pick on what I think is useful um, that comes out of the the daily tech web. So uh, I'm not familiar with how people link Flipboard magazines. Do you just go search on Flipboard, or do you have a link to that? Yeah, I mean, you can go to the website and my website, and it'll it'll link you off to it. Um, you can also do a, just a search for for Mac Voices magazine. There is a web front end to it, but it is just literally a listing of of, of topics and articles. It's not very sexy. The okay. best the best experience is using it in Flipboard. It's then it then it becomes like an honest to god magazine where you can you know touch and and go in and read an article, come back, or flip through a whole lot of articles real quick. All right. Anywhere else you want to mention? Nope, that's that's quite enough. That's more of me than you probably care about. I don't know. This is your chance. Yeah. <laughs> your high school bands, uh, like uh, MySpace page? Uh, no, I didn't have a high school band, so you, I can't. You did mention you never learned to play an instrument, but... No, no. I was a singer in high school. I Not tried once. One. I tried once. They told me I'd be happier, happier listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i ended up as a bass player eventually um which nothing against bass players i was just a bad bass player okay so i am uh i'm brett terpstra you can find me at brettterpstra.com you can also find me on twitter and every other service as tt scoff you can find Systematic on Twitter at Systemcast minus some vowels, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T. -S I guess that's really only missing one vowel. Um, also, there is a Slack uh, team for Systematic where you can give me your favorite topics, ask questions, talk with, uh, with the guests that join, and you can get to that through signup.systemcast.net. And uh, that'll send you an invitation. You can join. I do think I should make a Facebook page. I have found the the uh, Mac Voices and the Mac Power users pages. The groups there have been fantastic. I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed being there. I will prob probably join that crowd. But at this point, I haven't. So I'm just talking about things that don't exist. I'm sorry. Thanks for being here, Chuck. Thank you, Brett, for having me. Really appreciate it. This yeah no it's about time I had you on ah oh, so send send me uh, links to some of some of the things you've talked about uh, I will send you a list of things that I don't have links for and uh, we'll see everybody in a week thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.